Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. One more back to Statue Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Weber on the board. SP futures up 35. And NASDAQ futures up 129. We're trying to bounce back. We had a minor down day yesterday. And can't have that, especially leading up to the election with the Republicans running around saying, look how much the Democrats have. Uh, cost your IRA, and then so we have to make sure the market's up at least till the election. Now, whether we can keep this up forever, all I know is in the meantime, my clients are happy, everybody's happy, and hopefully on the right day, we'll, we'll manage to hedge this and make sure we go down, we don't lose very much. How's that How's that for a report, Brennan? That sounds like a really good idea, and I think that it should keep going up. Why, why wouldn't it? If it doesn't, uh, something has to be wrong. Well, we have to just, just run it up. I mean, we should just we don't ever have to, you know, have wealth the old way where you actually make more then you need to live on. We don't do that anymore. So we, so we just have to put. See, I thought that when the market moves in different directions, both up and down, that's for guys like you make your money because you're so wise and prescient. You can anticipate when it's time for downturns. Uh, I wish that you was the case. Play the, play the spread, play the, the puts in a, in a way to do better for your clients, and you always make money. Um, yeah, I wish that was <laughs> exactly the case. But uh, actually, to be perfectly honest, uh, not not blowing smoke up my behind or anything in the last year or so uh the idea of having to uh you know every time the market is down we roll puts down and when it's up we roll in the other way has been uh really quite profitable it's really helped us out a lot the, mm-hmm. the, fl- the flip side of that is is that your the, the price of puts with the volatility even now with the vix at you know 26 26 it's not 30 like it was price of insurance is real high so you, you you have to be nimble. In other words, you have to make money just to stay even if you're protected. It's well, see, that's the problem. When, when yeah. everything keeps moving in one way, there's got to be a counterbalance to it somehow. Maybe it's the cost of insurance to, to just uh, kind of counteract that. So the market is always one step ahead of you no matter how much you really try to play it. Well, it is it is because, it, it, but it, it is con- it continues to be, in one man's opinion, there's, there's two problems. One is it's it's very driven by politics, by the Fed, way more. These guys issue dictums in their policy. And I'm going to stay categorically, and I'd say it on national TV, all of their stuff is front-run. All of their stuff is front-run, the Fed. Now, to a certain extent, I think they want it to be front-run, uh, Brendan. When I say that, if they if they think the market is way, way down, if they want to you know, turn the, the interest rate thing, they don't want to spend a gazillion dollars to do it. So if they let people know and they get ahead of them, somebody else is spending the money for them. It's, it's actually more efficient if you're, if you're making a statement to be front-run. Mm-hmm. But it's also the people who you front-run it to 
They're always the same people. They love it. That's why That's why the top 1% of the, of the economy is making 90% of the money. So at some point, you got to stop it. <laughs> and I, Plus the market fabric, with only a few people providing liquidity instead of having 1,000 people on trading floors and stuff, or 2,000, they just, if we run up today, now there's not an offer anywhere. It just goes. Because everybody, as soon as people start to buy, whatever reason, everybody just gets out of the way. There's no, there's no standing orders. There's no, there's no big time specialist book in IBM or GM or someplace in the New York floor. Everybody's just gone. Nobody loses standing order, unless you got a winner. So I mean, it, there's a lot of combinations of things together to make the world ripe for manipulation. So I think that I do a really good job at protecting my people from that as best anybody can. And, uh, well, Chief, speaking of the top 1% getting richer, looks like Brian Smith is going to be in that upper 1% very soon. Well, I mean, the guy's one of the best players in football. And, uh, he is. And, uh, you know, and the Bears are, I mean, you, if you, you could accuse them of tanking. Now, of course, you know, he wanted to be traded before the season if they didn't pay him, so and he, he stuck for a year. And then uh, I think he was really affected by the, the Quinn trade to the point where I'm sitting well, here. Well, he was. And yeah. you're talking about tanking. You know, that was a new... That was the first news that they, they, I think that they might have been shocked at how well they played against the Patriots. And after that, they figured, well, we've got to do something, and we're going to wind up with a, a 500 season, and maybe even better than 500 season if these guys really start to uh, to respond this way. So let's give it a quit and let's give it a snap. Yeah, and uh, so, but, and they're, they're, but I, you know, I heard last night, and Maddie's checking this out, they allegedly got, well, they supposedly got a two and a, two and a fifth round draft pick for the guy. But right. the dude last Talk night. Well, the dude last night and and on TV said that if he doesn't sign with them, the Bears got to kick him a third round back. I didn't hear that part of it. Uh, it's the only place I heard it was the guy on, ES, on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I think the guy. I, I haven't seen or heard that anywhere else. Uh, I, that guy, I, you know, I, it does seem like the. The Ravens are taking a chance. Well, they could all, they could put a tag on him, but they they might do that for the Corbin. Lamar Jackson next year could do a franchise tag on him instead of Smith. But it is a gamble because they've got another player who could be in the same situation as Smith. Well, I mean, it, but it, it comes down to. I mean, Matty was talking about the Bears are 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 getting a bunch of draft picks together and they have some cap space. Well, the flip side of the cap cap space is whatever they're not paying him this year, eight million dollars goes right in Virginia's pocket. You know, so the Bears, right. the Bears always like to get their money first, and maybe, maybe they'll come up with the cap money next year. Uh, well, now they needed to to build that stadium and put in all the infrastructure in Arlington. Yeah, yeah. Stadium. I'm, I'm on record with everybody is they're, they're not going to build that stadium. Um, okay, we'll see. Well, I'm just. I, I when I say they, I mean the the McCaskies are not going to build that stadium. Okay, well, well, that that's fair. I, I do think that they're going to look for it, and they're. Their claim that they're not going to seek money from the village for the stadium is really a misnomer because they've already gone on record and say, you know, yeah, we'll build the stadium out of our pocket. However, you know, all this other stuff with the land around the stadium and the infrastructure, well, we'd like your help on that. I just, oh, uh, uh, you're, 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 you're a South Side guy. It doesn't make you bad because I'm there too. Uh, <laughs> I say there's absolutely no way, no way that a family that has been as cheap as they've been forever and have never done anything but pay a very small lease, probably less than anybody else in the NFL for, for all these years, first at Wrigley Field and now they pay. There's no way that lady, that lady writes a $250 million interest check to start every year. 
Well, that's true. However, I'm not so sure that uh, she's going to be the one writing the check. Well, because what is she, 96, 98 oh, she, years she, old? She, she won't uh, be the one. She's not too far behind Queen of I don't, right now. I don't think the apple and, falls and too far behind. And I think the sons that are looking at this, well, look what happened to Ricketsville uh, with all the land that they bought up and how how they uh, leveraged the land and property in, in Ricketsville to become Ricketsville instead. And I think that... Uh, the, the new generation may be trying to chew their oats a little bit. And you're right, but as long as Virginia's around, they won't pay it. But, you know, we're still looking a couple of years out before a stadium is built in Arlington County. I can't. Even if, I mean, they're not even closing the deal for the land yet. That's not happening until the first quarter of next year. Let, let me reflect that I, I never win this argument. I was with some people last night. And the guy, one of the guys, he's a big Bear fan, he goes, yeah, well, they got to get a place where they can, they can uh, sell their own uh, concessions and they got to be of concerts and they get the money. I said you can do that anytime you own the place. They don't own anything. <laughs> why, why should they get anything like that? It's it's sold. What is it? Just is it? Are, you, are we blinded by this football? Or are we just we collective idiots? Why why would an owner, a non-owner, get get something else that the owner leases for? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, you think the the Bears should get a cut of a concert? They pay a rent to play football ten games a year. That's it. Well, that's right, but, and that's why one of the reasons why the, the stadium, where they would own the stadium in the Heights, makes more sense for them. Yes, it is a bigger investment, and more comes out of their pocket at the very beginning, but uh, they'll, you know, can leverage that the way that the Rickets would, would uh, leverage things in Wigley. Um, I think that that ship is well, sailed. Well, they will get the, the cut from the concert. They will get the concessions. They will get whatever they And you know, they're, they're looking at Arlington Heights to build a, a big village type within itself, uh, just like the Ricketts have up in uh, Well, the, Rig- the Ricketts were able to buffalo the city mm-hmm. and to get in a lot of this stuff. And I think the Cubs, the Cubs, um, the marquee network is down fifty six percent. They're cutting mm-hmm. ticket prices. I think they they over they over overreached. I mean, this this economy, if it if it looks like it, it's going to do. We're not going to have 85% of the people making less money for the, a year for the next three years in terms of real wealth and still paying $150 for tickets, right? It's not going to happen. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you, but they're looking at the longer term when it'll bounce back or people want more of the Cubs. And if they are able to go through these couple of tanking seasons like they did with the sell-off last year and what they're doing this year, then... Yeah, maybe in a couple of years they can rebuild. Maybe they, they really trust Jed Hoyer to rebuild the team, or at least be able to market the team, have Frank Kevin come in and, uh, and market the team again and get the ticket prices back up. But they're not really at the, at the point now. They're selling Wrigley Field. They're selling the Wrigley experience more than they're selling the team. Yeah, right and their attendance is, is, is down by, what, 20%? Yep, yeah, and, the, and the ticket sales, uh, the, the list of tickets holders, is shrinking considerably, but I think that they believe that that baseball will come back and and it's buffer. They built up Wrigleyville. I just uh, I, I I don't know why. Uh, I think it I think it comes down. And Brent, I'll never accuse you of this because <laughs> you obviously are a pretty bright dude. I I don't I don't I don't I don't. I don't I, my friends, I talk to them, and you know maybe people in the library or bar, mostly the bar, talk to them. I don't. It, it, it reminds me of me trying to talk about trillion-dollar deficits. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have no idea <laughs> a trillion dollars even would look like. It. How many railroad cars that would be of $100 bills? But it, it's, it's a number that's so out there. But I, the, the difference between 
this hodgepodge group that does nothing but lease for all these years, the difference between Virginia McCaskey and Jerry Jones is, is, is like me and Bob Hayes, for God's sake, in terms of mm-hmm. willing, willing to put... That dude is, is $300 million of his own money in that place. Maybe four or five. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. He's, he's up to six. $600 million mm-hmm. of his own money. He runs the place spectacularly. He, does, he has a whole organization to like do that. The thing in L.A., yep. Cost five billion dollars. willing to. But the thing in L.A. costs five billion dollars. But there's two teams. Mm-hmm. This thing is going to cost five, and the Bears are going to be there ten games a year. I mean, re- really? I mean, I, I I I can't even begin to think that how. And plus, what is what is your difference in revenue in that place if you don't do it right versus re- Soldier Field? Most of your money comes. Well, that's from TV. why. I, that's why I think that they are really going to push for help from the city and or the state. Remember what the White Sox did, and and even though that field won't be replicated, there could be some assistance at a state level down the road, and and there will be things like Tiffin's, Stadium Islands, and Heights, I'm sure, for the area around the field. And the McCaskies will try to sell it. They're building the stadium. We'll be able to get the help from Arlington Heights and the county and and the state to build the rest of the infrastructure. Brennan, there's not not 82 games a year. There's eight. I understand that. In a, but sports is a big business, and 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 I think that I think there'll be a passing of the torch from Virginia McCaskey to the Suns. And while they're they're still queuing to the line that she's in charge and calling all the shots, and we know that as long as that's happened, that's going to be a continuation of George Hallis, you know, the man who tossed nickels around like there are manhole covers in the words of Mike Ditka. Um, but and, you know, I I think that. They want to get out of the bad lease situation and so they feel bad for the team. Why, why, okay, right. let me get this straight. Why is it a bad lease? It's incredibly good lease. No, no. In one respect, it is. But if they want to leverage and get more money from the Bears, it's a bad lease because they don't own anything. They don't get a part of the concession. They don't get a part of anything else that can be marketed in there. But you're right that it is a tremendously good lease, and I don't think that they see that. I mean, they just see a crappy stadium where they lease, where they could get billions of dollars like the, like the Rickens have in the field. Okay, but what I guess I'm trying to do... It's greed. It comes down to greed. I know, but what I'm, what I'm trying to do is is re- redefine the term crappy, okay? I'm going to say that the gate there is at least equal to virtually every... every uh, Every team in football. Uh, it, it could be. I don't know. I don't know what the um, how that compares to some of the stadiums as far as what their revenues are. And the you know, one thing that the NFL has is uh, the revenue sharing. All the teams get uh, comparable TV revenues, which helps them out tremendously. That's why you can have Green Bay with with players like Aaron Rodgers and pay them for years and years, uh, even though they're up. Probably the smallest market of any professional but team, especially one that does as well as they do. I uh, a lot of what uh, my views on this, uh, Brendan, come from your buddy, the coach. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember when the uh, who was the team that left the team that left Cleveland. Where the hell did they go? The original Cleveland. They went. To they went to Baltimore. They went to Baltimore, and then they, they, then they got a new. They team. became the Baltimore Ravens. Then they got a, they got a new team in Cleveland, or somebody moved there. They new, new team, team. Yeah, expansion. They, right. They had the new Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns redo. Well, I don't know if you remember, but the last game in Cleveland, <clears throat> I think it was uh, it might have been Joe Buck, and I think it was the coach Mike Ditka, and he's I don't think he's ever done a game since. But he uh, 
he was on there, and this is something I did not know. They were talking about the owner couldn't make any money in Cleveland, and he wanted to go to a better place and better stadium and all this kind of crap. And Ditka says, and this is probably why he has my ass back, he goes, that's all crap. He goes, you get a, because you get a check from the, the league, from the radio, the radio, the, the, not the radio, the uh, national TV, the check almost exactly equals the salary cap. He says, so anything under that, any live gate, all your local radio, all your, your NFL properties, which was $3 million a team in those days, and that was how many years ago, he goes, all that stuff comes right to the bottom line. He goes, the only way you can not make a bunch of money is if you gamble it away, which he did. <laughs> That's what he said on the air. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the idea of, we're talking about degrees of whatever. Right now, mm-hmm. the, McCaskey's sitting there with, I don't know what they share with him. With, if they get three-quarters of that live gate and half the concessions, I don't think they get the parking, with that lease, and they get, I, 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 I knew a guy, a guy. And this is this has to be. I haven't talked to the guy in ages. He had the best skybox in the place, right? It was actually fifty yard line. The Ryan skybox is next to him, on like the forty five. This has to be where are we? Twenty twenty two, maybe two thousand fifteen. And the dude was twenty thousand dollars a game, plus chow and, and booze. Then, so it's got to be twenty five. I mean, they're, 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 nobody could be paying any more than that in any stadium in the country. You know, I'm saying the the Bears are doing really well. So it, it's it's what eight hundred thousand a game to play there. What, what's mm-hmm. what's what's the gate in the place? It's got to be even at sixty thousand tickets. It doesn't look like the world's greatest. It's got to be hundred dollars a seat. That's being that's being really generous, right? You know, this is a very interesting discussion, and you know, I I'm listening here to everything you're saying. But just think of how we started this. We started this about the the trade of. Laquan Smith, and now we're talking about the economics of the Bears and the move to Arlington Heights. Uh, from a fan's perspective, you know, it really doesn't matter if you're a football fan and you want to cheer for the Bears. It doesn't matter what the McCaskies do or what they get in Arlington Heights or, or the, the great deal they've got at Soldier Field for their pocket. It's what are they doing to the team to support the fan base? And what they've done in the last couple of weeks is completely undercut yeah. fan loyalty in exchange for the hope, the hope and the prayer that the, the, the Bears brain trust can develop players. And by the way, if they're really looking to develop uh, uh, Justin Fields this year, why aren't they supporting him in a way that he could advance? No, they're not. Uh, not at all. Well, my buddy, uh, <clears throat> we might go over this on Wednesday with Kevin. You got the email from Kevin. He went through like all the good teams versus the Bears. Yeah, yeah that was very interesting. What, what did he say that the only guy in the Bears that could start for Dallas is Rokan Smith, maybe yep. Jetty Jackson? That, mm-hmm. that that's pretty awful. But but yeah, I mean it, it becomes is. it becomes the opiate of the people. People, it's like it's like Notre Dame games. I mean I I don't mm-hmm. really I mean I guess I care if they win or, or not versus you know lose. But all my it, it's a reason for all my buddies to come to Chicago one time a year. I mean it's it's a reason to get together. It's a thing to do, rather than to, with the rest of a lot, of a lot of people's, I guess, and mine and everybody else's boring life. It's something to look forward to. It's it, 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 it's fun, you know. I, if it's not a game on some night, I'm I'm wondering what the hell else to watch. I mean, I, I'm I'm just as bad as everybody else. But but one of my buddies who knows the McCaskies and all these people. One night I said something about well the Bears lost and blah blah blah. And he goes, he goes, what you're forgetting is they don't give a crap. 
The money is already right. there. Yeah, they'd like to have another playoff game and get a little more money. But it, a playoff game, you make a, a fortune, right? Because the, well, player, yeah, the, the players are played by the league, things, and you get the game. that are happening right now that is a little under the radar, both of which involve the Bears and both of which involve uh, George Hellas. And I think this is part of the transition in the family and how the family have run the business since Papa Bear died. The first is, uh, we know because of the buildup before the Bears game, that Bill Belichick, with one more victory, passes George Hellas yeah. for second place all time as the winning as head coach. But the second is that even though the Packers lost for the last couple of weeks, the Bears and the Packers are tied for the most games in history won in the NFL. The next time that uh, the Packers win and the Bears lose, the Packers move ahead of the Bears in all-time victories. So two of the two of the legacies, two of the lasting legacies of George Hallis will be gone by the end of the season because the Packers are definitely going to pass the Bears uh, in uh, in total victories this year. And um, those are two things that I think somebody like George Hallis would have really wanted to uh, to keep in in his pocket as and part of his legacy. And it's been squandered because of the the poor management of the McCaskey family. I think it's not only the poor management, but it's the greed. We're talking about yeah. we're talking about a family, Brendan. Years ago, I went through this. First of all, I got a bunch of people on the payroll. That God knows what they do, but uh, they have. I, I was having those guys in the seventy-five million dollar a year range fifteen, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Just coll- collecting the dough, and everybody and all everybody does is, is say how, how 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 bad they're getting hurt because they don't have this. I, I can't even. If you get down to Dallas, it, just before everybody disagrees with me, which I know they do. Go down to Dallas, pay the twenty bucks, get the tour, and realize that, that the beginning that place was uh, six hundred million bucks allegedly was the was the budget, and Jerry Jones was going to split it with the area. The area they knocked down, they condemned the property. They did they, the area took a three hundred million dollar hit, all right, to get him there because they wanted to clean out certain areas and stuff. They used it as a way to, you know, clean out trailer parks and God knows what else was there. So there was a you know whatever. I don't know if it's right or not, but that's what they did. All the rest of the dough is on him. And I think they're up to like a billion two as he keeps adding and make the place nicer. So the entire 600 mil after the original part has been on Jerry Jones. And the guy's been into it, has people working on it. They've done an unbelievable job, but it's his dough. You compare that to what we're talking here. Brennan, it's, it's, like, it's like, like I said, it's, compar- it's like comparing me to Bob Hayes. It's not, we're not even on the same playing field. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jerry Jones, I'm not oh, a big I fan, but... I believe you take Tom Hayes. He's oh, yeah. a lot. Well, he's he's dead, so maybe... I think he, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I got a, I got a quick question for you. I mean, because I know you're a uh, history... Th- before my time, I, I couldn't believe it kind of secretly the other day. I, got, I just heard it on News Radio 78. They let the two guys out that supposedly killed Mac, Malcolm X, and they were innocent? How many years has they been in there? Fifty? Um, wait, I, I missed that. Say that again. The guys who supposedly killed Malcolm X, they said they were innocent and let him out of jail? Some story? When, what, what was it? Is it I, maybe you didn't even hear it. I, I missed that. I, I don't know when that came out, but I missed that. What is, <laughs> is this world even more bizarre? I, I don't know if you heard the show yesterday. The guy, uh, we had a, a fellow on the show talking about uh, Guantanamo because he was a lawyer for down there. They finally what? let some guy out. He's 70 years old. He's been there 17 years. And he was never charged. And they don't yeah, think they don't I think did, he did. I did hear about that. They don't think he did anything, ever. Mm-hmm. He was just on the wrong street. 
What, what the hell, Brennan? What are we doing? Yeah, it says uh, two well, two men were exonerated in the 1965 assassination of Malcolm X. Will receive a 36 million dollar settlement after lawsuits were filed on their behalf against both the city and the state of New York last year. Hmm. How long were they in jail? Well, probably about 50 years. Yeah, when was he? Was he shot? 67, 67? So it says. Uh, yeah. Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam were wrongfully convicted and imprisoned for decades, 42 years between them, wow. as a result of outrageous government misconduct and violations of their constitutional rights. Uh, uh, one of them died before seeing his name cleared. The other just turned 84. Well, let's, uh, let's hope he lives a while. Wow. Yeah, so he can spend some of his money. Yeah. God, can you, can you even have a family after 40 years in jail? Probably not. Yeah. Both, been, been, both been out of prison, prison since the 80s. Was, oh, they've been out of prison? Uh, oh, okay. Since the 80s, yeah. What, what, they did 42 years between them. One did 20 years, one did 22 years. Well, how did they get out if they actually they thought he killed the guy? And uh, they uh, each appealed their convictions and always maintained their innocence. And I'm trying to figure out how they how they were exonerated. I'll, I'll have to read do, and do some research on this. So, uh, Brendan, uh, what do you... What do you make of, uh, I mean, we've got the, the election coming up. We've, it looks like the uh, Supreme Court's going to overturn uh, the, the college uh, racial quotas. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, From what I read yesterday, it seems like they are. They're leaning in that direction. What, uh, how, how long, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume you agree with me, but maybe not. How, how long can the market be going a different direction than the economy? <laughs> um. I, I think it depends on who's pulling the strings and how hard they're pulling and how much of a distraction they want. I do think it'll be a good after the election. You think they'll make it to next Tuesday, going up every day? I think there's a pretty good chance. I, I think there's a pretty good chance that that'll happen to the next Tuesday. But after that, all bets are off. Well, I tell you what, you can't trust anybody in this industry if that's what they think. They're not, not, step, their, not step their foot out of the boat on Friday or Monday. I'm not so sure I'd wait till Tuesday morning if... If I really believe that, I'm not so sure I'd wait for Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. Certainly not with your money. I'd get out a little earlier. Just saying. Well, that's true, and that, that'll be a very telling uh, bit of information if that's what happens on Friday or Monday. Um, what do you, we only got 30 seconds. It, the, uh, the, the bleep show that appears to be the economy in Europe, can that, can that possibly, st- in China the same way, can that possibly stay there and not come here? I, I'd sure like to hope so, but I... I don't know if I've ever seen it happen. Have you? But, you see, that's, that's part of the thing. When there's a, a, a talk about how bad the economy is here, it's put in the context that we're the only country facing this, and this is all the Democrats' fault, it's all Joe Biden's fault, and while there's contributing factors that they, they added to, this isn't just the United States. It's worldwide, which I think gives credence to some of the information that's coming out that it's not just because of the Democratic policies. It's not just because of Joe Biden. But there are ripple effects throughout the rest of the world. Whether it continues and comes here after the election, who knows? Because I don't think that anything will happen in our country over the next two years. It'll be total gridlock because the Republicans will at least take the House, if not the House and the Senate, and then it'll become a battle that uh, there'll be a lot more investigations, but there'll be no legislation done in the next two years and it'll be completely gridlock. And anything that the Republicans pass will be vetoed by Joe Biden. It won't be able to be overturned by the majorities, the super majorities that are needed in the Senate. Well, we we have uh, we got a dash here, but 
we have the Democrats. I mean, I, I enjoy. I'm equally. I, I I go after both sides. One of the Democrats' number one thing they're running on is how bad they're fighting prescription prices. And yet, right here yep. today, Johnson and Johnson is going to buy Abbeyobed for sixteen point six billion, and the Democrats won't even touch that as an antitrust problem. Anybody mm-hmm. anybody who lets any other combination go on in this prescription drug industry is out of their mind. And yet, we're going. We have. No, we don't seem to have any problem just letting it happen and wondering why the prices go up. Right. Anyway, Brendan. Fair point. Anyway, thanks, bud. Have a good week. If we don't see you before Monday, we'll talk or Tuesday. We'll talk to you about. We'll talk to you on Election Day. Hey, you can give us your your uh, predictions. Good. S&P futures up thirty-seven. Nasdaq futures up one forty. Be right back, Joel and Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lone Wolf Bank Stocks and Jacks. Time out, Mr. Matt Warmer on the board. SP Futures up 37. NSA Futures up 136. We've got uh, individual stocks. Pfizer's up a buck 85 as they beat on a, and, and guided further. We also have uh, BP came out with an $8.2 billion profit as oil majors posted earnings. Go figure on that one. Uh, Dow Futures up 188. Individual stocks in the Dow. I've got Caterpillar up 250. Uh, Chevron Texaco up 210. That figures. Goldman Sachs up 249. Uh, Microsoft up 254, uh, Salesforce up 241, so everything's pretty much up here. Uh, Visa's up 219. We're in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX up 161, 1.2%, so they're up a lot. 
Footsie up 112, 1.6%. Kick ran up 111, 1.8. Uh, there was a wave review yesterday. Dow was down 128, SP down 29, NASDAQ down 114, roughly where we are now. Maybe you'll, we're, up, we're down, up a little more than we were down yesterday, but roughly the same. Uh, bonds, uh, under 4%. 3.94, it's down 14 basis points. The bond down 11 to 2.04. Japan up a point to uh, 2.55. So I guess that means uh, some people must think the. I think I think the, the rumor's out. The Fed's only going to do 50 basis points. Everybody's talking 75, but the way the markets act and the way these bonds are acting, I'm not so sure. Um, we're in Asia. We got the Nikkei up 91. It's 0.3 percent. Shanghai up 75, 2.6. And finally, finally, we're getting a rally out of the Hang Seng up 5 percent. 768, largest day, daily gain in a while. They were down under 15,000, 14.5 yesterday or something. It was horrible, but now they're back up to over 15, so it's a big, big bounce over there. Um, oil up 99 cents, 87.52. Brent up 110, 91.91. Natural gas down 22, 613, heading back towards six bucks again. Arbob up three cents at 256. The gold actually up today, 1710. 1657, that's a whole percent. Silver up 81 cents, that's 4%. 1993, copper up 9 cents, 347. I was going to put some people in silver yesterday, and I figured, no, I'll wait till the day. I'm not so sure that was a good idea. Uh, we've got crypto, Bitcoin up $1.29 to 20525 And lastly, we've got the U.S. dollar um, a week today. We've got the euro up to 0.99, almost back to a buck. We've got the British pound up to 115. Uh, it's up 79, so... That's one of the reasons why gold and this other stuff is up, the dollar is down. Matty, what do you got for us? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have one crash in the area that's on the Tri-State southbound side right at I-55. Uh, there is a crash that's blocking the right lane and has uh, traffic backed up to the Hinsdale Oasis. So give yourself plenty of time if you're heading southbound on the Tri-State near the Stevenson uh, down in the uh, southwestern suburbs. Everything else all quiet out there. No uh, other accidents or delays to speak of as we're off to a decent start here on a Tuesday. Weather today, some fog early, and then uh, we'll clear off and uh, warm up to a very pleasant and sunny high of 67 uh, for November 1st. Not yeah. too bad. Right now it is uh, overcast, foggy, and 47 going up to a sunny high of 67. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 82 today. Right now it's clear and 61. In sports, the Bears made another splash right before the NFL trade deadline as they uh, traded uh, star linebacker Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens for a second and a fifth round pick and they also got linebacker AJ Klein in return. Bears now have four of the top 75 picks in this year's uh, upcoming draft. Two seconds, two fourths, and two fifths to go along with their first, third, sixth, and seventh um, round picks. So uh, they're stockpiling draft picks for next year. Uh, Monday Night Football, it was the Browns blowing out the Bengals 32-13. The World Series was rained out last night, so Game 3 will be tonight in Philadelphia. That series between the Astros and Phillies is tied at one game apiece. Bulls were off last night. They're in Brooklyn tonight to take on the Nets. That's a 6.30 Chicago time tip-off. Suns were off as well. They'll host the T-Wolves tonight at 7 p.m. Arizona time. In hockey, Blackhawks were off. They're back in action tonight at the United Center against the Islanders. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop. Coyotes were off as well. They'll host the Panthers tonight at 7 p.m. Arizona time. Chief. Wasn't that uh, game last night a big upset? Uh, the Browns were three-and-a-half-point underdogs, and they completely blew them out. Yeah, I was watching it early, and boy, they looked, they looked good, and I kept thinking this wasn't going to last, and it did. Yeah, the <coughs> Bengals were never never in the game. Well, the, the Browns, Browns was a desperation game. Joel, how are you, bud? 
Uh, good morning, Chief. Wow, I like all kinds of news here. Yeah, you bring Maddie Ice back on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, yeah. I wish I would have known that. I would have went law in the market. Well, you know, he, <laughs> Maddie's the man. What can I tell you? So what? Uh, and then also, wait. Also, the Chief is calling for a Fed pivot here. Am I? Am I? Do I need to clear my clean my ears out? I didn't Chief say a pivot. Looking for that. Hit fifty cent. Half a basis point. Hi, Chief. What's going on with you? I uh, I, can you imagine the pressure that's on these people? I I I I very rarely disagree with you on interest rate stuff. I I think they're sticking. I think they're sticking with three quarters at least this round. Uh, the CPI didn't come down that much as expected. The PCE is up there. I think it's way too early to be calling for a Fed pivot. Maybe they might say something about going to half at the next meeting. Well, but uh, unless they have information that we don't have, I, I say it's still going with three quarters. I think the reason we're up is because of the, the earnings from the value companies. Value's back in town. Well, anybody who can raise prices and, and is, without any sort of shame, is making money. Right. I agree, but people are making more money, right? People are getting raises, so they have more money to spend. Chief, I I'm going to say that the uh, I'm going to say the average person I'm going to say the average person has will get a raise this year to half of inflation. The average person don't have that statistic, Chief. Well, I'm not talking don't about the people. Statistic. I'm not talking about the people who used to make ten and were making ten for twenty years that are now making fifteen. Okay, <laughs> but that's not a that's not a fifteen year raise or twenty year raise. I mean, I, I look I looked at some of the uh, well, I look at them, I see them. Even the union strike settlements that have happened in Illinois, virtually all of them fall into a uh, a five year range of about a five percent raise a year, which to me puts you behind the eight ball, doesn't it? Um. I guess the market doesn't care, Chief. No, no. I'm saying it, what you're seeing is that the, as the market gets narrower and narrower, in my opinion, that your Kimberly Clark, your oil companies, your your hospitalization, your utilities who, who routinely raise prices and, and continue to do so are going to do exceptionally well, and they are. I, I mean, it's obvious, right? Home. What do you suppose Home Depot? Greg was on on Monday yesterday. And we was talking. Maybe it was last week. He was talking about how wholesale lumber prices are actually as low now as they were before COVID. I'll I'll, get, I'll, I'll buy. I'll, I'll bet you an adult beverage that if we had somebody we could head into a, a Home Depot and a Lowe's, we'll find that lumber prices are still fifty percent up from that same date, even though the wholesale prices are now. Uh, I, I, I I mean I when I go to Home Depot I probably spend less money than anybody I go in there and buy a couple light bulbs or whatever but what I you know what I'm looking at is that you know um, that I, I'm glad that, that the tech trade is coming off that was a that was a trade for a decade right and now yeah I just look at this as a major rotation into you know companies with low valuations and uh, you know low PEs that right well if they have if it's because of the pricing power. But I'd much rather be investing in companies that uh, 
that make money and that you don't have to discount their future earnings by some ungodly amount oh, I, I agree. of all the money that the Fed popped into it. So I think it's a, I think we're going under you know, this is a hopefully this is a generational change. I think tech has dominated for a long time and you're seeing that, that trade come off. I mean, it's kind of the way I've always been and have missed out on, you know, a lot of the the growth and the growth technology, but you know, slow and steady wins the race, Chief. And um, you know, you're seeing these companies, your Berkshire Hathaways, your J and J's, your Fabi. You know what? Whether you're in a recession or not, right? If you're sick, you're going to need your drugs, right? And you're going to need your health insurance. So, uh, I, I, I'm kind of glad to see. I mean, I think the market's more concerned about uh, you know the earnings uh, than interest rates, and. You know, and you, you, you and I both know interest rates are still at historically low levels. It's just the rate of the increases that have, uh, you know, that have, uh, you know, put the fear of God of people. Well, the, the market. I hope that's uh, again everything. <laughs> unfortunately, Joel, everything we look at, every topic we seem to touch—not just you and me, but me and just about anybody—every topic we seem to touch seems to have two sides to it right now. I mean, I, I'm absolutely stunned when you and I have grown up. You went to the savings and loan and got a mortgage, and the mortgage was six, six and a half, and people were getting paid three, three and a half in their passport. Well, right now, the mortgage rates are seven and a half. What's 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 the savings rate at a bank? One. I mean, the concentration. Yeah, you got to go, go outside your bank. <laughs> There's other places. Well, right. So what's better than that? So what I'm saying is the right. the the concentration in these industries now is we're starting to see the pricing power. Look! Look at what you have. You've got you got two home improvement places. Basically, look what they're doing. I mean, anybody who has price, look Kimberly Clark. Hey, we've been able to raise prices more than our inputs. Okay, good for you. You know, I mean, it, it is good for them, and I'm, I'm happy that <clears throat> the stock is up. You know, my clients are happy. Everybody's happy. But the fact is, there's a there's a disconnect between the people selling the toilet paper and the people buying it. Right? I'm just saying. Right. I, I mean, you, you speak your facts, Chief, but I just try, I try, you know, it, the mantra was, you know, don't fight the Fed, right? Oh, yeah. For years, and that, and that is, and, uh, and now, I mean, hmm, fighting the Fed, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, seems I, to be the thing to do. It seems to be the thing to do here, and I, I, we'll, we'll see with the pivot, we'll see if inflation comes down, I, personally think that 2% target that they have uh, is unrealistic and I think a lot what a lot of the, the, the earnings are decent and then a lot of people are just worried that when the Fed pivots, if they're not in the market that it's going to you know, right. we're going to be left behind. Don't so, disagree. And also if you look at it technically you know, you had the big move up from the COVID load of, you know, 2200 to 4800 you had your 50% retracement you know, who knows? Maybe maybe we had, maybe, and I'm saying maybe, maybe we had a major long-term bottom in October. Well, I've been along. We had a dash here, but I've, I've been along for my people. I'm just very nervous. Just ah, that's the way to be, Chief. All right. All right, All right we didn't take get care. to talk any sports. Go blue. We're undefeated. Wait a minute. Let's see what happens against Rutgers. Uh, some guy once said Michigan is now a basketball school. So talk about a pivot. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a pivot. SB Futures up 36. The SA Futures up 133. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? 
Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. Kenny, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Did you buy your spoos last night, as usual? <laughs> no, but I should have, right? Because you knew this was going to happen. Yeah, boy, I was uh, I was tempted to buy some silver yesterday, and I didn't. And that thing's up like 4%. And boy, talk about missing one there. Wow. Yeah. I don't... Uh, this ebb and flow here, and uh, uh, I just... Uh, it's, I'm, I'm just nervous about it. It seems like it's... Too far, too fast. I mean, is yeah. I see this cost yeah, go up. You know. I definitely think it's too far, too fast. But I think that's, you know, once again, it's it's the direct result of kind of the environment that we're in, the technology that we use, and kind of the the flow of information. Right? One day it's yes, one day it's no, one day it's maybe, one day it's yes again. Right? So it creates it continues to create confusion. I think the market's ahead of itself. I'm not, I don't think it's a disaster. I just think it's ahead of itself. Well, I mean, I look at some of them, and, and I, uh, I I'm starting to put. Almost like getting a mental uh, column here of those that seem to have amazing pricing power, and those are the same industries that for God, for 15 years on the air, I've been ragging about the concentration of these industries. Be careful, be careful. If ever it comes a point where there's a crisis, we're going to have a problem with that. Now it seems like there's industry after industry that's, that's right. in the same area that just has no... I mean, Commonwealth Edison got another $50 million raise from the state legislature yesterday in Illinois. I mean... Utilities, the drug companies. Yet, yet another merger today, and and every every Democrat. And this is, I'm not trying to make a political statement. 
every Democrat in Illinois is running around how they're they're fighting the cost of high drug prices. There's another merger. Not going to do anything about it. Right. So I mean, wh- 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 what are we what are we doing? I mean, Costco's what forty times earnings, and it's a retailer. I yep. mean, that's a lot. Just saying. I mean, it doesn't mean it's a sell. <laughs> I think it's probably a buy. <laughs> but I yeah. I mean, but you look at the numbers and you go, th- this isn't long term. I, mean, I don't think. Right. Right. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty confusing, Kenny. I really do. I mean, I, the market always is, but seemingly more so this time because. If you're wrong, and and you're short, every offer is pulled. You can't buy anything. In the same way, every bid's pulled. Right. If it's going down, it's it's crazy. Right. Again, I think that speaks that speaks to the sophistication of the systems that are you know and they're, and and they're unforgiving, right? Like you just said, if you're wrong, you can't you can't cover, right? Because everything disappears. Well, it's not sophisticated if you're if you're the only market maker and everybody somebody wants to buy and you pull your offer. It's it's not exactly sophisticated. It's thievery. Yeah. What, I mean, I guess they're the same thing, so <laughs> they're synonymous. I don't know, but you know, I, it's it, it's an odd world. I mean, we we have, uh, you know, uh, we still are able to get uh, pretty good fills in a, a, an increasingly smaller number of places. I don't know how much option trading you do, but man, there's there's, there's stuff that you can't. It's, it's like the Roach Hotel. I mean, you check in, you can't can't check, can't check out. Remember that commercial? The uh, but what? Uh, what do you make of the overseas stuff? I mean, is all this going to come? I mean, China. Every day there's bad news out of there, and every day doesn't seem to make any difference. Well, I'm not sure. I have to tell you something. I was never a big buyer on believing in China's data. Data anyway, right? You right. Take everything with a grain of salt. You know, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. But more, more recently, I don't think people are paying attention to it um, because I think there are too many problems here at home. Right? We're in the middle of these midterm elections. We're in the middle of all this chaos in our own country. We now got Joe Biden saying that he's going to. Uh, that he's going to start to tax all the oil companies because, you know, they're not doing their part. Meanwhile, he forgets that he ran on the platform that he wanted to put them all out of business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so I think we've got enough of our own problems here. On top of that, you have the geopolitical situation in certainly Europe. You have it now not only with Russia-Ukraine, but what's happening now is winter approaches across the European continent, right? You always have that kind of underlying threat now that Xi Jinping has been uh, has been named dictator for life, you have that underlying threat that, you know, he's going after Taiwan at any moment, which I'm sure is probably going to happen. I think that's a 2023 thing. Um, but I think all that kind of just simmers under the surface, which is why I think the market's a little bit ahead of itself. Um, but, look, uh, you know, it's the world we live in at the moment. Well, I mean, I there's there's some... You, you, you don't mind. I mean, it, it, obviously, you and I like the free market. And... There's going to come a day when, you know, in a trading floor when your your pit is busy and somebody else's isn't, and it's just your day. Right. I mean, I mean there's, no, right. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't I don't think. Um, that's just the way the world is. I mean, it, that's why people get in business because someday it gets to be their day. But right. I I uh, I don't really have a problem with the oil companies making money in, in, a, in a good time because I think they lose money right. in a bad time. But here's what I, here's what I have a problem with, Kenny. And I don't know how you address it. We had the problem with 9-11, a big problem, not just a little problem, a big problem. Yeah. And we were found that the airlines, as much as we gave them money and allowed to bankrupt shareholders and still people made themselves a lot of dough in there, we found out that after 60 years they were out of business for three weeks and uh, somehow or another they were riding so thin that they couldn't make it. So right. most people would say, this kind of sucks. I mean, wh- how, right. are these, how are these people running the place? And yet it is, here we go. Another, how many years? And I'm going to say I, United's one I looked at. So I'm not going to speak for the other ones. I'm going to say the years before 
when COVID was what, 2020? Uh, the years before COVID were probably the best 10 years in all of aviation in terms of money for right. those guys. Right. And what I, what I went through is United made whatever amount of money they made, it was a lot of dough. They, they almost, they think they paid 80, 90% of it buying stock back. Never once did they actually show up and pay for a plane cash. And sure right. enough, the minute some other thing happens, we got to give them another $50 billion to the industry. I got a real problem. I mean, I, I don't know what you do as, as a, in a, in a democratic society, but something like that's wrong. Now, if, if BP makes some money, now, of course, with the stuff the administration's telling them, I think it would be difficult for them to start investing in the industry. But say right. say the, say the, say they didn't say that, and they just went out and bought all their shares back. I got a problem with it because all, all of a sudden, I mean, it, it, what it does it lends to you to a fact that there's too much concentration in every one of these industries. Right. And I don't know how you break right. them all up. Okay? Somehow or another, well, there, there's there's four baby formula companies. That's not enough. You know, somehow or another, this is this is getting chokeholds by every one of these players. It's a very fascist economic system. It's it's nothing you and I would even consider. Capitalism in our in our definition. No, but the government. Where was the government when the when the old companies were getting absolutely crushed? We weren't giving them money then. No. They were losing money hand over fist. You know when during during uh, COVID and when the Saudis were pushing oil to yeah. twelve dollars a barrel, trying to crush everyone in the industry. No one was around then. And now that you know the world has woken up again, global demand is picking up again. Oil prices start start to react the way they should in terms of supply and demand. Um, and now he's now he's accusing them, and then he runs on the idea that we want to put you all in business anyway and go to wind and solar because that's how we're going to live in this world. And then he and then he says to them, "You're all making a mistake. You know, you're not putting money back in. They can't get enough leases, right? Because right. they're not giving any more leases. They can't they can't build the business the way that Joe Biden is now telling them they have to do it because they have an obligation. I get I, you can't have it both ways. Well, I, I think that they the fact that they're not opening up. The, the 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 stuff you know I think you have to look at Kenny or, or I would like to look at not you don't have to because obviously they don't I yeah. mean I mean I look at the for years the spread between our Bob and what I paid at the tank even in even in gouging Illinois was roughly yeah. ninety cents eighty five nine eighty five ninety ninety five somewhere in there and now yeah. it's now it's pushing two and a half bucks okay in, in California it's you know it's five All right so yeah. there, there's obviously a distribution problem someplace or somewhere. And I think if you and I were sitting in the Oval Office, we'd want to know, may not be anything we can do anything about, but we'd want, the first question is, okay, what's happening? Well, we right. find out, we find out two guys got together on a golf course and closed down two refineries just because, and uh, and now there's a refinery problem when, when they could be open. I think you and I got a problem with that. I mean, well, I think that's true. Yeah, no, I think that's true, although I'm not sure that's what's happening. I'm not either. I'm saying I don't know. I don't. I'm saying it look it it it's, it looks suspicious to me is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, why all of a sudden we have this distribution problem? I mean, if our Bob was well, was four bucks and I'm paying five and a half, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I have a problem with it, but I, at least I understand right. it. I don't understand how our Bob's two ninety and I'm paying five something. Right. I mean, how what, what's the problem? Why why all of a sudden is this spread well, that used uh, well, to be? I don't know, and I guess you're right. We should that, that we should look at that because we should understand why that's happening. I mean, There's I, a legitimate reason why that's happening, but uh, I think a lot of it is just um, nothing more than uh, supply and demand at the moment and policy. I think a lot of it was driven by policy. Well, I agree, I agree too. I mean, you look at the, yeah. the spread of, of mortgages over 10-year right yeah. now, and I think I'm looking at that going, that looks a little high too. I mean, I'm, 
Why, I mean, is it? I mean, we know why drugs are high because there's only a few drug companies, right? You know, and I, I, so I mean, but we can't. I think constantly have this one group making all. I, like I said, I don't have a problem with anybody making dough. I mean, that's why we're all here, right? Is that's the intent of? That's it, why people innovate because they can make some money, right? But also, you can't let them constantly force nobody else to be able to get in the business. And look at our business. Right. Look at our business. How can how can somebody make a market? How can somebody open up a brokerage firm now? Good luck. Oh, is that even, is that really necessary? Yeah, yeah, not happening. <laughs> no, but now is that okay? I, mean, I don't think it's okay. But I mean, no, it's not okay. Yeah, no, it's not okay. So do you do you think we can? Uh, Joel seems to think we can make it every day to election up. What do you think? I don't think we're going to make every day an election up. I think. Tomorrow we're going to have, so it depends on how aggressive he is tomorrow, right? I think he has to remain on the line of being aggressive because I think if CPI and PPI come out strong in November and then again in December, ahead of the December meeting, it's going to be very hard for him to pivot and say, oh, no, we have to raise rates again. If he tells everyone, no, we're going to 50 in December, cut and dry tomorrow, I think that's a mistake. I think he has to leave the door over the 75 because if, in fact, they go to 50 in December, that'll be great. The market would welcome it. But if he says we're going to 50 tomorrow and then inflation remains stubborn in November and December, he's going to have a tough time suddenly in December going, oh, no, we have to, you know, we, we get more aggressive here. I think that would be a disaster. So I think he needs to remain aggressive, yet leave the door open, but don't give anyone the sense that, you know, we've already made this decision. I think that would be a mistake. All right, bud, take care of yourself. Good hearing you. Uh, yeah, SPV is up 40. Nancy is up 148. Be right back. Professor Hilsner. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! 
Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and I'm Tom Amos, Brent Weber on the board. SP Futures up 36. Yeah, SP Futures up 136. Uh, pretty much green all across the board here. Uh, matter of fact, I'd say everything in the Dow is up pre-market, except for Amgen. was up a bunch yesterday. And, uh, uh, no, Amgen, right now, they're down 14 cents. Johnson Johnson, which has actually taken over a firm, they're down 85 cents, but they've been up as well. Everybody else is up. So, Professor, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. Um, hey, I just got a, a little little note here about how, how Chicago works. Uh, <laughs> it's, this is so priceless, hell. Um, Maddie, remember the, the first, just as a background, the the only stadium that I know, well, except for Soldier Field in Chicago, the only stadium in a major city that I know of, it isn't, actually there probably are some, but in a major city that's not serviced by public transportation is the United Center. Even even though a, a rapid transit line goes right through the parking lot, hell, what the politics really? are, the politics are you can't have a station there because the Hawks and the Bulls want the parking lots want you to force you to go and pay for parking. Not to mention, oh that, yeah, not to mention that it might take you know five six hundred a thousand cars off the street, you know, the night of a game. You would never want that, right? When, you're, when you're gridlocked. That's but. another reason. That's another reason why I don't believe these politicians actually care about the environment. Oh no, uh, because you know I, I drive down, I drive in Brooklyn, and I'm thinking, why can't this road be timed in a way where if you're doing the speed limit, you hit like green lights for the most part. If well, they did that, they would have a lot less stalling, uh, a lot less pedaling. So when I when I hear about things like that in, at where the Bulls play, I'm thinking. Yeah, they don't really care about it. And I tell people, when Obama moves off of uh, uh, Martha's Vineyard, then I'll worry about sea level rise. When he when he heads for the hills, when he heads for Idaho, and he seeks higher uh, uh, elevation for his home, then I'll believe that we have a sea level rise caused by yeah. global warming. Well, they, they, so the fallback position was to put a station on the Green Line, which is, well, it's Madison to... Uh, Lake, so what's that? Maybe uh, three blocks, four blocks. It's a, it's a reasonable hike. Uh, when when there's one in the parking lot, uh, so they decide they're going to put a green line station at Damon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I heard this, and they're going to put this in. And every time they're putting a station, or they're finally putting a station there. Do you know the thing? They the thing was announced five years ago. Many they're breaking ground tomorrow. Five. They haven't broke wow. ground yet. I didn't know that. Did you? Well, think about this. What's a better use of the parking lot? How about somebody paying a rent? year-round on a, an apartment or a business. I mean, that would be a better use of the real estate, I think, right? No, they, well, the parking lots I mean, are huge. They have, well, between the two teams, there's, uh, what, 80, 80 dates a year, right, Matty? 80, 84, yeah. and then there's all kinds of concerts and college basketball. I mean, yeah, how, how that's often, true. Yeah. How often do you think the United Center yeah. is used, Matty? It's, I bet it's 150 nights. I, easy. I, well, think about I, I think how easy, much yeah. less traffic could there be. I was, tell, I was talking to my mother-in-law about this last night, and... I wish they would stop subsidizing roads and bridges and 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 tunnels because if people had to pay the, if it was all privatized and people had to pay the full price of owning a car, I guarantee you there wouldn't be this many cars in New York City. I mean, every block in New York City has cars everywhere, old cars, new cars, never taken off the market. 
people are driving around cars. And why? Because government subsidizes it. When you subsidize something, you get more of it. So if we want less cars, stop subsidizing the dang roads and make people pay the full uh, price. I'll bet, I bet there's less... Car. I bet there's less cars per capita in New York City than any other city in the country. Man, there's a lot. My mother-in-law tells me at the time when in New York City there were never cars parked in front of her house. And right now, there are like school teachers parking the cars in front of her house. There's a guy that will park his vehicle in front of my mother-in-law's house for a week, but he has to move it because on Monday morning, the street sweepers come in, and if you don't move it, you get booted, right? There's cars everywhere, isn't Everywhere in New York City, and a lot of them have out-of-state license plate because the the uh, probably I'm just guessing I haven't checked into it yet, but the registrations are probably extremely high in here, which causes people to keep their Florida or their Texas license plates. Well, when I was a uh, very very young, one of my first business trips uh, from my Allied Van Lines where I was working, I went out to Secaucus, New Jersey. I mean, uh, let's put it this way: if you're going to clean out somebody's lower intestine, that's where you would have stuck the nozzle. You know? <laughs> Don't tell me about the gas station bathrooms on uh, some of those highways, man. You don't want to go into those things. uh, (laughs) Well, Allied Van Lines had a a, uh, destination point for all the trucks that were going out there. So they had a place with, like, it had, like, 25 little bedrooms for the truck drivers so they could at least knock knock off there at night and have to sleep in their truck. Big parking lot. Basically, it had a, you know, communication center. It was absolutely designed perfectly for a whorehouse. With the twenty-five little well, bedrooms, and a, but yeah, I, I anyway, but all Secaucus was was a massive truck terminal kind of place. You know, some people live there, but it basically was everybody piled in. It's very close to New York and Jersey, as close as you can get for like big trucks and everything, and all everybody's transferring stuff around in smaller trucks and everything. It was really an amazing mecca of transportation stuff. But uh, yeah. so I stayed. Well, when we came up, when we came from North, North Carolina like twice a year. All those truckers would be parked along the highway yeah. for probably 50 miles, waiting for the opportune time to enter New York City. Because you don't want to do it when there's traffic. Oh no, you got to do it like two, like three we in the morning. We were we yeah. were sneaking in at two o'clock in the morning, right? We want to avoid all the traffic. But I stayed with my the buddies. Truckers were doing the same thing. Well, I stayed with my buddies in New York because uh, he was working for a bank there. So I piled in with him, and uh, I, I rented a car because I had to go back and forth to Secaucus and beat her and meet real estate people and stuff. And it was, uh, you, you, I, I could find a place to park pretty easily, but you had to change every morning. You had to be before 7, you had to move it to the other side of the street. So it was impossible for a, for a native to actually park there unless you really wanted to play the game. But you had to get a switch Well, there's spots. a Seinfeld episode about that. Remember the Seinfeld episode where George takes over parking all the cars on the street? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they had people that did that. But So I'm saying, I, I, I was only there for three days, so I was able to put up with it. But I remember the... Yeah. Uh, Remember the what was this the song by uh, was it boy I'm, was it Cream Eddie Cross Down Traffic? Uh, if ever all if you went up and down Manhattan if you were on Sixth Avenue or Seventh or whatever, you could drive the entire length of Manhattan not when it was really crowded, and the lights would just turn green right when you got there, absolutely right when you yeah, got there. They do that some places, well, right? Like Fourth Avenue in Brooklyn. Right. I love Fourth Avenue because man, you can just hit, and it's it feels like you're in that seen on Vanilla Sky yeah, yeah. where Tom Cruise is driving that muscle car through Times Square and there's no traffic on the highway but in yep. a few places they have it like that but in a lot of places man it's like they want to give you a ticket well, but so you they climb on the brake the yellow light is really quick 
and people drive through and they can give you a ticket. But that only works. Jimi Hendrix wrote Cross. Jimi Hendrix, that's right. Got a boy, I'm going brain. I, I, I got the album too, and I remember who forgot who it was. Uh, but I mean, up and down, you had no problem. But crossing it, yeah. that that's, that's. Oh yeah. I mean, you you got you got a red light every single block. So hence the name Cross Down yeah. Traffic. I mean, if you were in a cab going up and down, the guy loved you. Plus, yeah. t- talk about a little favor college rule. Uh, Manny, I don't know if you're, how much of traffic you've been doing in New York, but if you took a cab in Chicago, if you get stuck in traffic, the, the cab, if you can even have a cab anymore, the cab has a big wait time. So you you get like every every like minute the thing clicks, like if you're driving. <laughs> but in New York, the cabbies, they got no wait time. They they yeah. only they only got Benny, they only got paid if you were moving, so if it was two miles. But hey, that's it, why New York cab drivers they are they'll, they'll occupy like two lanes at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Lane markings in New York City are just optional. Well, they were they were masters at, at two people turning turning uh, you know <laughs> turning turning right or turning left. Who would turn even though you weren't supposed to? But that was the whole thing. If they were stuck in traffic, they were pissed off because they weren't getting, they weren't making a penny. In Chicago, yeah. I mean, you're you're run O'Hare. I mean, Maddie, back in the day when we took a cab, you're run O'Hare. If there was no traffic, I'm showing my age here, was like 19 bucks. If it was a lot of traffic and the thing was stuck, stop and go, it might be 29 bucks. But in New York, yeah. it was always 19. The guy just got pissed off. <laughs> whole different world. I can imagine that caused a lot of heart heart attacks, right? You know what though? The difference. I I hopped into a cab. This is interesting. What we're talking cab stories. Then we'll talk about the market. Uh, I hop in the cab, and there's this older black guy in the front seat, and he starts talking with me, real, you know, terrific dude, and he starts says to me, you're from Chicago, and I go, yeah. He's like, I can tell by the accent. Well, okay. <laughs> Duh, I guess he could. And he <laughs> says, he says, by the way, who was the first resident of Chicago? And I said, well, that was easy. That would be, uh, what's, what was his first name? DuSable. You know, uh, French, African-American. And he says... You're the first guy from Chicago that has ever answered that question correctly. What the hell do you do? <laughs> I said, well, I'm a traitor of all things. And uh, anyway, he started showing me pictures of his kids. Now, he made, his, he goes, I'm retired. He goes, well, I, well, he, I said, you don't look too retired. You're driving a cab. He goes, well, I live right down the block. I don't really have a car. I live right down the block from the cab place. And, you know, I'm, I'm home 24-7 with the wife. And, you know, it, it, uh, that doesn't always all work out so well. You're not supposed to be there 24-7. That's just not the way the world works. He said, two days a week, I say to the wife, you know, you look busy. How about if I go down the black and work a day? And she goes, that's fine. <laughs> then I come home, two, two days a week, everybody's happy. He shows me pictures of his kids, for God's sake. One of them is a, a doctor in the Army and is like a colonel or something. His daughter was a valedictorian for like Harvard Law School or something. And she's wow. a big-time attorney. And the, and, the, and the second kid, or the third kid, is in the Army, and he's a, a doctor, and a, or he's some kind of a pre-doctor sort of thing. He went to college for pre-med and the Army didn't want to pay for his med school. So the first kid says, screw it, I'll pay him. Screw the Army. Tell him to leave the Army. Just go to regular med school and I'll pay for it. So the first kid paid the entire med school for the, for the third kid. You talk about raising wow. a family that all yeah. stuck together and doing stuff right. The guy's a kid. I mean, I don't know, I don't know where you find that anywhere. To this day, I won't, I'll never forget that guy. I mean, one of the most incredible people I've ever met. And I guess all because I, I, I answered the, his question correctly, he talked to me. <laughs> how, how bizarre is it? Um, anyway. Well, that's his test, right? That's his it test. was his test. Everybody else says, how am I supposed to know the first guy? You know, if you're a real grump ass, he probably. <laughs> I said, no, I know who that was. What is, what is it? God, what's the, the first word is so French, man. It was it 
That's Francois. It's something, something Dusable. I always remember the last name. I can't. I always only remember the last name too. It's, it's Jean Baptiste. That's right, Jean Baptiste. Well, I can. Jean Baptiste Point Dusable. I can't even read French in the French accent. Oh, I'm not telling you guys. Start talking about one of my favorite economists, Jean Baptiste. <laughs> oh, so, Hal, what do you make of uh, market all of a sudden racing up? The Fed, you know, getting all this pressure from banking committee chairman and all kinds of stuff. And uh, I just. I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you're on board with me making these observations, but every place, every industry that I've I've looked at and said these guys are getting a little too concentrated. We, if we ever have a problem, it's going to be a problem. Every one of them is now a problem. Where, where the prices are going up, and and there's not that many people. There's not enough competition, and I just see people getting hung out to dry like everywhere. I mean, be it retail, be it lumber, you know, be it airlines. There's, now the four airlines are like gouging everybody after they got fifty billion dollars from the government. Uh, you know, I just oil, oil I get because the price just went up. Uh, but now, if if they're if they're you know colluding to keep refineries closed, which evidently some people think they are, if any of that stuff's going on, I mean, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be jailed for that stuff, Hal, and that, that'll never happen, will it? I mean, if it's happening. No, no. I mean, what well, do you, if you look at M two, M two appears to be going sideways. Uh, in the last few months, yes, I've been looking at it, and but it's still the Fed creates a lot of M two, a lot of money, generally to have its two percent inflation goal. But during the COVID, man, it's just a big, big, massive bubble that's probably still working through the system. But it is, it is going uh, sideways. Yep. But if you look at bank lending, whether it's uh, industrial or commercial, or you look at credit card debt, man, it's screaming up. So if it wasn't for all that lending that was going on. There probably wouldn't be as much demand for these products, right? Well, how do you, I think people maybe. How do you cut back on? Uh, shifting their ability uh, because they can't buy the wants anymore, but maybe they're using credit cards to buy their wants. Well, the credit card debt. I think all that has. Up. I think all that has all that credit, and, and you know these. You know the 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 Fed is paying what three percent. Oh, we're not uh, paying four. Banks not to make loans. Right. Four percent, right? They're paying banks four percent not to make loans. But you look at lending, just look at lending, it's going straight up. So people are using credit to make these purchases, whether they're businesses, um, uh, real estate people, or, or consumers, they're using, they're using credit to fuel this. And the Fed's got lots of reserves, and the reserves are working themselves off a little bit. Reserves are coming down. Bank lending is exploding. It was, I think, 0% in July on a year-to-year basis, growth rate, it's like 15 to 16% now. It's accelerating. And then you look at uh, credit card lending. It was 0% last July, growing year, 0% year-over-year last July, year, year and three or four months ago. It's up to 18%. Right. So, you know, people are, are still spending, but they're, they're spending on credit. And I think that's fueling a lot of this inflation, too. What you don't see the name too, but you see it in lending. What do you, what do you mean? What do you make of? Uh, I mean, I, I'm gonna. I'll name you know three or four areas. I mean, I mean, Kimberly Clark. You know, I, I guess you pay a little more for your toilet paper. You still got to buy it, right? Uh, yeah. But I, 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 I think that there's there's life changes, and I think in Home Depot and these places that I don't think have come down at all in lumber as much as the wholesale price has. I see gasoline at. Instead of eighty or ninety percent cents over our bob, I see like a standard two two and a quarter now, maybe more, depending on where you're at. These Chicago, are, well, I mean, relative to like 
Indiana? No, I'm talking about uh, our Bob is 295 this morning, and uh, uh, well, the be- the best place here you can find if you go to the Burbs, it's it's 410, so it's a dollar and a quarter, which is high, uh, but the city is yeah. 550. I mean, or five and a quarter. I mean, so it's really high. No, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, it's been hovering around three forty. Yeah, I mean, New York has always been cheaper. Low. New York's always cheaper in Chicago. I don't know why well, people... it's never been cheaper than Utah for this no, long period no. of time. No, Utah's no. Utah's four twenty, four thirty a, a gallon still. And Utah was always cheaper than New York City. It was always like uh, fifty cents to eighty cents less than you get in Brooklyn. And as soon as you cross the, as soon as you left the the Holland Tunnel. You get New Jersey, and you're 50 cents lower usually. Well, but people, you know, really, most people just look at the mirror, and all they, all they see is themselves. Obviously, the big problem is diesel being five bucks. I mean, that, that's permeating mm-hmm. itself through the whole system. And allegedly, there's yeah, only have twenty. You seen that we only have what 25 days of yeah. diesel storage. You know, there's yeah. some story about the Jones Act. You can't get a unless it's a U.S. ship. You can't get a tanker from New Orleans to whatever. When the, anyway, I, I don't understand all that about the Jones Act. But, but I mean, looking at these industries. Look at the look at the problem we had with infant formula. Nothing's changed. We still got the f- the same firms with the same government buying picking one of one estate and buying over fifty percent of the stuff. There's no competition there. I mean, you look yeah. the airlines. All they're doing is screwing people. Let, let's let's fly less planes, even though we got fifty billion from the government and every seat's taken. And have you known anybody who's flown lately that hasn't had a problem? And, and, and plus high prices. Yeah, well, I don't know if you heard about my ordeal in Atlanta. I flew into uh, Pennsylvania for a job interview back in August, and everything was fine going there. But when I got when I was flying back, I jump on the plane. I go to Arizona. I mean, uh, uh, Atlanta. While I'm on the plane, I get a text from the the airline saying my flight's been delayed an hour. I'm walking through the uh, jetway, and I get a text saying it's been delayed two hours. I sit down at the Salt Lake City uh, uh, jetway that's going to Salt Lake City. And I'm informed by text that my flight was canceled. They booked me on a 4 o'clock flight the next day. If I want to change it, here's a link. If I want a refund, here's another link. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I think I want a cash refund. That way I can be stuck in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta for like 18 hours with about 250 angry passengers flying to Salt Lake. It was was ridiculous. So, you know, if you were... And not one one human came and spoke to us. They didn't offer us one thing. We we had to lie on the floor of the terminal all night. So, you know, if you were an enterprising sort, you would have called up one of the car rental companies, got like a 12-passenger van, and piled everybody <laughs> in and charged them. Yeah, I guess I could have, right? But that's yeah. a long drive from Atlanta to Salt Lake, man. Um, that actually happened. One of, the, one of the ladies on the on the, uh, sh- she's been on the sh- uh, contributor show, Robin, she and her husband were, were flying someplace, and uh, there was some bad weather or something, something, and they're, and they're connecting flight. I think they were going to New York, but they ended up having to fly like to Syracuse or someplace. So one of the, one of the dudes picks up the phone. Remember, they used to have the phones in the back seat of the airlines. Calls Hertz in Syracuse and says, "I want to rent a car." Of course, when they get there, the entire plane is at the Hertz counter. But this guy already had his car. And then he says to him, "Hey, you guys need a lift?" They said, "Okay," and hopped in. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody else couldn't get a car. But he, he had the foresight to call ahead with the phone in the airline. Um, well, there was an episode. There were like five episodes of How I Met Your Mother in that last season, where that's what Marshall did. He uh, carpooled in a Hummer from uh, what was it, Chicago or Minnesota to New York City. God, 
with one of his with the passenger that he got an argument with where he got kicked off the plane. Her and him got kicked off the plane. Well, they, they were, so they probably were perfect. They were they were they're Bickersons. Well, it was arguing each other. Probably <laughs> for. Well, it was pretty good comedy that that road trip. So hey, uh, what uh, we've got this, <clears throat> this move up in the market. We've got uh, issues. I mean, I've got a couple people at the uh, emails from London to listen to the show and say things are really bad over there. They've got what like an eleven percent inflation number. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, so I mean, the the Europe and the dollar has been strong, which um, has caused you know the, the gold and some of these other com- other stuff to be down. The dollar is a little weaker today for the first time in a while, but uh, it's you know, there's an awful lot of stuff happening. And I don't. You look at some. I mean, we've got a lot of companies. I look. I went the other day, Maddie. You didn't hear this part, but I went through the. This is before the rallies of the last few days, so these numbers are a little obsolete. But I had the Fangs plus Microsoft down three trillion dollars on the year, wow. which is that's a real number out of people's accounts. I mean, it's you know, yeah. whether it blew up there and then blew back down. The fact is, it's down this year, and uh, you know people were uh, you know counting on it. Maybe they shouldn't have or they should have, but it's uh, you know if you made margin loans on it, you got a problem. If you bought something else with it, you got a problem. But um, you know we're, we're trying to fly back here at least up until the election. Maybe because we're too down, but. You look at some of this, and everybody's, Joel was talking about we're changing leadership. You know, instead of the fangs, we're going back to, you know, kind of bread and butter stuff. But I look at some places like Costco, and I see them 38, 39, pushing 40 times earnings. They're a really good retailer, but that seems a little a little rich. Um, I see people in the mortgage industry, I don't know, he was on yesterday and Nancy last week. They're pushing, as of yesterday, the best mortgage Nancy can find is like seven and a half. And I don't, hell, who who lends that money, and what are they getting? What's if you and I said, okay, you guys are putting out mortgages at seven and a half percent, are you going to pay me five for the money, or no, or six, or I mean, the the banks aren't paying anybody anything. I mean, the spread seems to be getting really, really big, or is it just me? Well, you know, I think a lot of these foreign countries want to keep the gas on the pedal. You look at Japan. I don't know if you've looked at Japan lately, but Japan is exchanging its gold. And foreign C, foreign currency that holds in reserve or yen, it's exchanging that. It's basically using all these these currencies, gold, better currencies, and gold to purchase to take yen that it printed on printed years ago. It's using those those foreign exchanges reserves to buy up all this yen that it prevent, uh, printed printed years ago, so it can continue to print new yen because it, it's maintaining its negative. Uh, interest rate policy. Yeah, why are they so, doing it? Why are they doing talk it? Talk about Gershman's law. Talk about Gershman's law. The Bank of Japan is proving Gershman's law that good money drives or uh, bad money drives out good money, right? So I, I think these countries like the UK are in a situation where they're having a hard time. Uh, their businesses are having a hard time. They're sinking into recession, and they want to inflate. They want to stimulate, and you got the Fed. Uh, doing the opposite, right? So I think you're going to have problems. You know, I, you know. I think the reason why Costco is doing well is because people are shifting. They're they're uh, they're shifting with their purchase and their 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 needs, right? And Costco is a great place to to stock up. You got the you know the large sizes that are lower priced per ounce, right? So people are shifting where they're purchasing their needs because wants just gotten so expensive. Well, I just, I mean, I. I know I read off the numbers every day on the ten-year rate. How has Japan managed to 
stay at point five point two five. I mean, are they? They, they must like, just be well, pretty they're, dope. they're flipping it, man. They're what? get they're they have like one point four one point three trillion dollars in reserves, gold, dollars, etc. And they're using that to buy up all that old yen they printed a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, right? So they're they're replacing foreign reserves with the yen and so they can continue to print yen. But eventually what's gonna happen is they're not gonna have any reserves left. They keep this up, they're gonna drain all the reserves. It's kinda like what Biden's doing with the strategic oil reserve, right? They're going to drain all these reserves out of their out of, out of the banking system, and all they're going to have in their bank is worthless yen. So eventually, that party ends. Well, every as, as I've been involved in, a lot of my people have been in gold. Thank God, we've been you know doing a little stuff with the options with it. But uh, it seems to, it's been obvious to me for a few years now that there's been a liquidator someplace. You're saying it's been Japan. Yeah, but they just uh, eliminated forty-three billion dollars in foreign reserves just recently, trying to prop up the trying to prop up the yen, right? Well, no, their gold reserves they that, are they just selling it in the open market, or are they are they just shifting? I think they're exchanging it. They're using it to they're using it to buy the yen, right? So they can continue to print yen. But how does that? They it, want to stockpile yen. But I mean, that transaction is there is their gold housed there, or they're actually putting it on a plane to somebody, or are they is it is it housed in New York and they're just shifting it from one guy's drawer to another? I, I think. I mean, I think what happens in these central banks is they just change the name on the post that, like, remember uh, that Jim Carrey movie, Bruce Almighty, where yeah. all prayers on post-its? Well, I think what these central banks do is they just change the name on the post-it and just pick up the old post-it, put the Bank of Japan on it, and it's a stack of yen. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's it's kind of what happened. I, mean, I, I, I don't know, do they have, I guess the Japanese would have their own version of, like, a Fort Knox. The most... There's actually as, as much yeah. gold in New York as there is in Fort Knox, right? In that one depository. Well, you, you know what? Have you heard what eBay's doing now? eBay's kind of entering this uh, high-end uh, collector's market, and what they do is they—if uh, you buy like a rare baseball card on eBay—they'll offer to store it for you in a perfect environment. So all they do is they just change the name that's associated with that 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 baseball card or that baseball bat or that that baseball, right? They just put the, a new name on it and they store it for you. You don't have to worry about your kids drawing on a Michael Jordan picture in a marketing pamphlet, right? That was in my office that my kids did. So you can store all your valuables at eBay and the ownership is exchanging, but the location of that valuable is sitting in one spot. Well, you don't want to have and they do all the validation for you. We don't want to have a huge baseball card collection in some place in Florida get whacked by a hurricane. <laughs> Or in a place where there's high humidity, right? Yeah. Anyway, SP Futures... Yeah, you, want it, you, want it, you want it up in Nevada where it's 7,000 feet above sea level and there's no, no yeah. humidity whatsoever. SP Futures up 42, NASDAQ Futures up 159. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Jacks. I'm Tom Amos, Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 44 now. Uh, we keep grinding here at SP Futures. Uh, is up 161. Dow Futures up 223. The only stock I have on the uh, Dow down is Johnson Johnson because they're paying $6.6 billion for Abiomed. So maybe people think it's a hair too much. But other than that, everything's a sea of green here. Over in Europe, same thing. Uh, DAX up 175, 1.3%. FTSE up 106, 1.5. CAC around up 101, 1.6. And... You're really hard-pressed to find any kind, any piece of good news out of the uh, European economy, yet the market is up pretty heavy today, uh, which is fine. Yesterday, the Dow was down 128, S&P down 29, NASDAQ up one four, down 114, so we're up um, a little more in every single column than we were down yesterday. Uh, bonds, 10-year down 15 basis points, 3.92, um, so I don't know what that, that means for the uh, the, the Fed. I, I think it means they either are only going to do a half versus the more likely is they'll do the three quarters and then they'll come out with some kind of a we'll wait and see next time blah 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 so it'll, there, there's going to be something dovish in this that's what the market's telling you anyway uh, the bond bound down 12 basis points 2.04 Japan unchanged at 2 point, at 0.25 just like Alan and I have been talking about Asia, kneecap 91.3 Hang up 75 that's 2.6 now get this Hang Seng which every day I'm saying down 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 it's up 5% today, up 768 to 15,455. Still at a very low level, but way better than 14,400 or something it was yesterday. Uh, oil, down up a buck 87, 88.40. Brand up 192, 99.94.73. Natural gas down 16 cents, 619. We've got gold, but a big rally today because the dollar is down. Up 17.90, 16.58. Silver up 83 cents. That's 4.5%, 1995. The thing was. Uh, 1850 like Friday or something that's crazy 
Uh, copper up 12 cents, 349. It's a big move in copper. It's three and a half percent. We've got Bitcoin up a buck 55. It's uh, 155, 20,551. We got the U.S. dollar uh, down across the board, which makes the euro almost back to a buck, and we got the pound pound at dollar uh, 15. So it's up uh, almost a percent today in the pound. What, Manny, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, we're off to a pretty good start on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways. Traffic building on the Edens and Kennedy, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. That earlier crash on the Tri-State is all clear. Southside expressways, traffic volumes growing, but no accidents to report. Same for DuSable Lakeshore Drive. Only two crashes in the area are out to the southwest. In Lamont, we have a crash at Cass Avenue, just south of I-55. Uh, which is Frontage Road, and then uh, just north of there in Naperville, Route 53 at Hobson Road, there is a crash. But everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, some fog in some of the outlying areas, and then sunshine and mild temperatures. A very pleasant day for November 1st, uh, sunny with a high of 67. Right now it is mostly clear and 48 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 82. Right now it's clear and 62. In sports, the Bears made another uh, splash uh, just before the NFL trade deadline, uh, dealing linebacker Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens for a second and fifth round pick. They also get linebacker A.J. Klein in return. The Bears now have two seconds, two fourths, and two fifths to go along with their first, third, and sixth and seventh round picks. Uh, So that gives them four of the top 75 picks heading into the upcoming NFL draft. World Series Game 3 was rained out last night in Philadelphia. They'll play Game 3 tonight. Phillies and Astros are tied one game apiece. Monday Night Football, it was the Browns blowing out the Bengals 32-13. Both the Bulls and Suns were off last night, but both are back in action tonight in NBA hoops. Bulls are at Brooklyn. The Suns host the Timberwolves. In hockey, Blackhawks and Coyotes were both off as well. Blackhawks host the New York Islanders tonight at the United Center. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop. Coyotes will host the Florida Panthers. Chief. Um, Manny, who did the uh, did the Bears use a franchise tag this year? They did not, I don't believe. By the way, uh, so what you were talking about, um, and a listener sent this in to confirm, but it was kind of what I told you as well. The Bears would have been in line for a compensatory pick if Rokon would have left via free agency because he qualifies for that. And so now it appears the, the Eagles would potentially, if they do not resign him to a long-term deal and he leaves – they would be uh, 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 able to get a compensatory pick, it would appear. So that's an additional pick from the league, not exactly. from the Bears. Okay. Right. Yep. All right. Because so I did not understand. If, that's if why I asked you. Yeah, if you're, a, if you're a free agent that is either an all-pro, uh, makes a certain amount of money, um, or uh, which is average salary, all-pro, as in postseason awards, and then there's a third caveat. I can't remember which, what it is. I'll have to look it up. And, and you leave... Uh, you know, you're 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 offered a contract and you decide to go somewhere else. That team is rewarded a compensatory pick somewhere between the third and seventh round based on the value of that player. Okay, um, because Kevin uh, and so Roquan would be a third round pick because he's been an All Pro and, and he was a former first round pick. Um, well, Kevin writes in, and Kevin, of course, when he does anything, does huge research on stuff. Uh, I'll go through this real quick. So, 18 million, which is a, allegedly the number, would make Smith the sixth highest paid linebacker in the NFL behind. Trevon Walker, T.J. Watt, Joey Bosa, Harold Landry, and Von Miller. He said, where would you rank Roquan? Top five, top three? He said, Roquan is younger than all of the list except Walker, and he's healthy. 
The so difference, though, is that those guys are pass rushers, so they're 10 times more valuable. He is not a pass rusher. He is a uh, coverage linebacker slash, you know, stop. I'm going to say he's got a few stacks this year from blitzing. Bosa and guys like that, those guys are elite. T.J. Watt, those guys are 20-plus sack a year guys. Those guys are the most valuable guys on the defense. Right, I'm, just, I'm just saying it's it's he, they're both linebackers, quote-unquote, but they're really not the same position. Well, I'm, all he's saying is that the number he's asking for lines up with a lot of these people. But those guys, but those guys he doesn't give you 20 sacks like T.J. Watt. Right, so I mean, he's he, not even on the same planet. Right, so he's worth $2 million a year. He, $2 million? Yeah. What, I, so what would you, where's the discount? I don't know what he's worth. I'm just saying you're not going to allocate the money he's asking for that he would qualify for, um, but he wants a long-term deal. The Bears offered him a contract. Um, you could franchise him and pay him the $18 million or whatever, wh- which is what Kevin's talking about. I don't know what he's worth on the open market. I'd have to do research on that. But allocating that amount of dollars to a guy that doesn't rush the quarterback, that is, that is a, just a coverage linebacker, in my opinion, would be a mistake to do that. Now, I like Roquan Smith, and I think he's good, and I also like rewarding guys that y- you draft and that are you know, homegrown talent. Um, but they offered him a contract. He didn't want it. Then you trade him and you get as much as you can for him, and a second and a fifth is better than the third-round compensatory pick that they would have got. Well, when, when have we ever known the Bears to be anywhere near competitive on one of these contracts? They always, they're always trying to shave. Well, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Anyway, um, yeah, one of my. Uh, well, there was that one year in '85 where uh, they did pretty well. Back in '85, <laughs> they when they won the Super Bowl, little-known favorite college rule. Even Ben Matty will remember they were also the youngest team in football. That's why yeah. they, they were expecting yeah, to win multiple. Yeah. They were talking about dynasty, but it all it imploded. I'm going to say the thing that uh, split that team apart was getting rid of Wilbur Marshall, where they said, "Well, yeah," where he allegedly he walked into uh, was it. Was it Michael McCaskey at the time? He said something about, well, you can pay me what you think I'm worth, and McCaskey said something to the effect of, uh, this is what I heard anyway, if I paid you that, you wouldn't even be making the minimum because I think you guys are all overpaid or some, some story like that. So they dumped him to Washington, and the team, you know, between that and plus Le- Leslie Frazier got hurt in the Super Bowl game, right, Matt? He never really came Yeah, back. so I was uh, obviously a, a young kid in the in the 80s. I was born in 83, so I don't remember the 80s teams. Um, I was too young until I, the, ni- the 1990 team is kind of the first team I remember that, that was a playoff team. But I my understanding was that the real reason they really fell off is because Jim McMahon could never stay healthy. And he, and he, and he was the, brutal on any, any second-string quarterback. Yeah, the one year he was healthy is the year they won it all, basically. And, yeah, losing Wilbur Marshall, I mean, you're, it's hard to keep everybody together. Losing him definitely didn't help them. You know, they had some injuries. They had some, you know, whatever, bad luck. But, basically, they were playing with a backup quarterback every year after that, and that they could never do anything. Well, they, well remember when that uh, defensive end from uh, Green Bay he just drove him into the, the turf? That was That's uh, probably... That was was a guy. Uh, Dave smears up. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dexter Manley, and and what did uh, Ditka say? I call him Citrus because he's got an IQ of a break, grapefruit or something like that. <laughs> they so I mean so imagine saying that today. The Bears <laughs> the Bears didn't live up to the quote unquote dynasty that everyone you know thought or hoped that they would, but from eighty four to ninety one they made the playoffs every year except for one year. They won a Super Bowl. And they made it to what? 
two conference championship and, games. And San Francisco was a, an exceptionally good team. Or three conference yeah. championship yeah. games. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, three conference championship games, one Super Bowl, and then you made the playoffs every year except for one over a, a six-year period in the NFL. Not a dynasty. I'm not, not saying it's anywhere like, you know, the, the Patriots or something like that, but still a pretty good run. Well, they, they, yeah. uh, it goes back to, I mean, gotta go back so far. I used to listen to my uncles talk. They were, they were so football rabid. My one uncle played 12 years of uh, semi-pro during the Depression, so you can only imagine how rabid they were for football. And uh, oh yeah, and they they would they knew they they knew how else, they knew how else, they would scrimmage against the Bears. The, they were, my uncle played for the West Side All Stars, with pro team. He got paid every game. He got paid by the game, I think. They would scrimmage against the Bears in the preseason and so forth. Because the Bears, they, anywhere they would go, they they play a game to get a gate. You know how many games a year those guys played. I mean, it wasn't like today uh so they the uh my uncle told me you know they will never pay a backup they'll always pay the stars they'll never pay they think the last people on the on the roster are just balls on the bench and uh, that's that's the attitude well back when the, when miami was undefeated little known to most I mean, maddie i'm sure because he's he knows this stuff the, the they had a, a quarterback that was terrific but he was a little fragile as well bob greasy so the owner of Miami paid a then still really good Earl Morrill, essentially starter's salary, to sit behind Bob Greasy just in case. So the yeah. year they the year they were undefeated, what did Bob Greasy went out and made it a third fourth game, something like ten games or something. Morrill started and won. When Greasy came back, he started the Super Bowl, I believe, and I'm a little fuzzy on it, but. They, they benched Earl Morrill for Bob Greasy because they thought Bob Greasy was good, and Bob Greasy won the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't know if he played in the conference championship game or not. And uh, Hallis, when he found out, well, I'll guarantee you, if, if when he found out the guy was paying that much for a substitute quarterback, he must have, if he was in his grave, he spun. If he wasn't, he fell off his bar stool. The idea that somebody would do that for a backup, they would they never did that behind McMahon. Right, Matty? They never did. Nope. They would They would never do that. Saying this is our Achilles heel, and we got to make sure. Well, then when they did get Doug Flutie, all McMahon did was give him grief, right? <laughs> so I mean, which didn't help. Which didn't help. But uh, hey, uh, I'm I'm kind of on this theme, Hal, and I don't, you know, I'm not having much luck with anybody agreeing with me, but that's okay. Um, I, I'm starting to sense in in some areas of society that I'm saying these these prices that are going up here are they're not necessarily life threatening, but but they're American America threatening. I mean, uh, we have uh, somebody on the show who just bought his, uh, you know, bought a, a new car, a Jeep Wrangler. I think the tab was sixty-two grand. Yeah. I mean, he's, the, these auto sixty-two thousand for a Jeep Wrangler. Something along those lines. Jesus. Buying. The four-door one, I think. But uh, still, you can you can pay over a hundred for a Cherokee for the the what's the Grand Cherokee? Well, yeah, the really big ones. But even that, and even that's crazy. But sixty-two thousand for the smaller what? mid, it seems. Well, Matty, you weren't here last week. You know, the the Average price of a new car now is forty-seven thousand bucks, so it's one and a half times, or one and a third times, your median salary. Well, I don't know anyone that buys. I shouldn't say I don't know anyone, but most. Let's just say the crew I want run with does not buy new cars. The problem is, is that the used cars are still really expensive. Well, when do those come in? But I mean, one one leads the other, right? Right, but I've never seen it this close. The spread. No, well, my 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 point is. Is that? By the way, I'm agreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I, what my, I'm saying is, we're going to see, and, and your friends, you know, 
back in the day when we all met and everybody was just hacking around the softball field, most of those guys, you included, have become very successful young men. Well, we all we all could pr- probably buy a new but, car, but, I mean, but it just doesn't seem like a smart investment. No, but uh, my point is the the idea of of what percentage of the population can afford a forty seven thousand dollar new car? Not even the sixty two. Twenty percent, thirty, even if you give them five year financing or something. I mean, this this the entire fabric of America is changing because of these prices. Is my point. I mean, I I don't know who who, who can afford a new house. At four hundred thousand bucks, it's seven and a half mortgage. I mean, for God's sake! What, 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 I'll bet it takes the median income or the income you would need to, if you had the down payment, if you had the eighty Gs. Hell, what would you think? One hundred and sixty grand you'd need for that mortgage with the taxes and insurance. One hundred seventy. Yeah, uh, I mean, in New York, it's even worse. I mean, yeah. Well, you're a house across the street from a mother-in-law that's listed for two million. I'm thinking, how much would I need for the down payment? Uh, I need four hundred thousand for the down payement, right? Yeah, well, yeah. four hundred thousand. Four thousand dollars sitting around. Yeah, four hundred thousand if you want twenty percent down. Plus, you're at seven and a half percent now. Yeah. So your your yeah. month, even if you had the four hundred thousand, your monthly's insane. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even. Uh, the only way I could afford that house is if I uh, carved out like a two bedroom apartment in the basement, and rented it out, and well, had I mean, that renter uh, help me pay the mortgage. That's the only way I could afford it. But you but you go by you know the rest the restaurants where people are. I was out Saturday night to a place in the. Burridge, and of course, Burridge got nothing but money, so the place is packed. Um, but I, the the, I'm going to say that even your local breakfast joints, if you've got four kids, the fourteen dollar omelet, I, I don't know how you walk out of there with a hundred and twenty five dollar breakfast. You know, yeah, when you're, when you're talking mean, about a dozen McDonald's eggs. The other day, my my in laws, uh, they're coming back from the hospital with my wife driving the van or van. They, she goes, "Hey, stop at McDonald's," and after the order, the woman. In the speaker says uh, that'll be sixty-two dollars for basically Happy Meals and about four adult sandwiches, yeah, like burgers and chicken sandwiches. Sixty-two dollars for that. Yeah, man. We don't, I don't go to McDonald's very often. But we I mean, but we can't afford. It. Well, that's what I'm saying. I as, as, a, as a trader and an investor my whole life for people, and I love it when companies do well and stocks go up. But I look at now every time if I see McDonald's come out with new good earnings or a bank with good earnings. Ninety percent of my body says they're screwing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It. I, I don't. I can't even cheer for them. I mean, and that's that's so wrong. Hal. <laughs> it is. So, I want people to do well. Yet I don't want them to constantly do well at the expense of somebody else. I mean, how how much is McDonald's raising their prices every friggin' week, where the stock goes up every day? And how many places? Well, I think. But I think they have to. I think they have to because. Uh, I think I think one of the reasons why stocks are doing re- uh, reasonably well recently is because I think a lot of people are betting that Jerome Powell is going to take his foot off the brake. But I'm, I'm afraid, I'm thinking about Jerome Powell in that scene in Footloose where they're playing chicken on the tractors, and his shoelace is stuck around the gas pedal, and he can't yeah. get his foot loose, right? Right, but so, well, let, let's... let's <laughs> and he's headed, and they're, they're going to crash, and I, and I think the Fed... I think the Fed's going to keep their foot on the gas pedal. I mean, on the brake, and they're going to keep hiking, and but it's going to get worse in other countries. But let, let's let's make an assumption here. First of all, I, I think he ought to back off a little bit because I think the 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 accelerator of the inflation has already been killed, and, and it's just the numbers coming through the. 
the system where they never realized that a year ago the number was really like 16%. And it's working its way through. So I, I blame a lot of the bad policy on the, the lagging in the CPI. But having said all that, I mean, what, I, what I'm having problems with, Alan, I'm, I'm also having very problems communicating it, obviously. Are we really, say, say we land 375. When, when the smoke call clears, we're talking about a federal funds rate at 350, 375, which is fairly normal, right? But it, that's yeah. not that's not a that's not a that's a neutral rate in my opinion. Are we going to go the rest of our life with credit card debt at twenty or twenty four, and banks paying people one? It, have we have we changed the, the the numbers so bad that nobody will ever get money from a bank anymore? And oh by the way, banks will always charge people twenty percent or twenty four or thirty, even though the risk free rate is three and a half. Have we our car is always going to be fifty grand when people are making forty? I mean, are, are all these changes permanent to where a house is twice the price it was in uh, two thousand or two and a half times, even though people's salaries are maybe fifty percent higher? I mean, are, are, is this all going? If it's all permanent, this is not the America you and I grew up in. If this is going to be permanent, it's not. It's not. And the problem with Fed stopping at three and a half. If you look at lending, lending is still going up. So if the Fed stops at three and a half, banks are going to lend that those reserves out that they have at the Federal Reserve right now because they're only going to get three and a half, four percent from the Fed. They can get a higher interest rate from a business or a corporation. So you're you're, you're going to see the reserves bleed out, and you're going to see lending continue. So the Fed's got to raise interest rates. All right, but I'm saying those reserves bottled up. I'm not. I don't. I'm not arguing about this month or next month. I'm saying at some yeah. point here, we're going to settle in, let's say four. We're going to settle in at a long-term number of four, which we probably should have been the whole way. We wouldn't have any of these problems, right? Or a lot of them, we wouldn't have them. But are we still going to be in a position where banks are so powerful that they're paying one and they're getting 20? Are we going to yeah. be... The, the, the auto companies now are real happy with selling less cars for twice the price. Are, are we going to interject another automaker to maybe say this is not the way we're going to do this? Or are the baby food, you know, food formula places always going to be four of them? I mean, are, 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 is this so permanent that we're going to have we're going to make our own underclass for God's sake? You're either one of the top ten percent, or you're out. If things don't change, we'll go from four baby four formula makers to three. Yeah, well, it's the other way. Rules, regulations are restraints on commerce. They restrict the ability of firms to supply and that drives prices up the prices are higher than they would have been otherwise so the one way to really fix this and I think it's the problem with New York State real estate in New York City they don't want lots of new condos released onto the market because that would deflate the rents and the mortgage the, the, the home prices of the people that currently own that stuff so there's a they want things restrained in New York City Right in Utah, on the other hand, man, you go back to Utah right now. There's probably three or four new high rises going up along our subway rail system called the tracks. So in Utah, they're building, which it should be. You, you see it, yeah, it should yeah, be. They're building, but in in New York, they're they're building just enough to constantly keep those prices rising because that's what the ultra wealthy in New York want. They're the ones that run the show. And so I think by restraining the economy like they've done, we're going to get fewer of these companies, and then we're going to have more 
large corporations. We're going to have more uh, industrial government complexes. We are now. We have the pharma and the government. We have the military and the government. We have the banking system, the Fed and the government and the Treasury. We're going to get more of this stuff, well, and that's just going to restrain commerce and drive peop- prices up. Are people just going to continually put up with it? I mean, I, I mean, I'm not asking for people to go bust into places. Somebody place them beating up their husband. I mean, that's not that's not me. But at some point, I mean, right now everybody's all pissed off. Whatever side of the of the uh, aisle you're on, you're pissed off, but you're pissed off at the other side. I think yeah, I think yeah. people actually should be pissed off. Who they're pissed off at, I think, is totally misdirected, because who's ever doing this owns both sides. I think. And I, you know, I just said. Well, I like, I like what Alberta's premier Daniel Smith said. I mean, she basically said to the WEF, which is a bunch of billionaires, right? Uh, you, you, you have no right to tell us how to run our governments. You're a bunch of billionaires, and uh, you're you're telling governments what they should be doing when we should be listening to voters. And so, I love what she said. Well, they, they but they are recently. Yeah, except she's wrong. I mean, I mean, she's absolutely wrong because uh, she doesn't. She doesn't understand the build the business of politics. Now, I'm not saying I I do, but uh, I don't know. You're not. A, I don't know if you're a huge done much reading of his stuff. My you and I came came up different economic trees. You came up the the, the side with all the numbers and all the business economics and all, and all that stuff, and I came up the the behavioral side. George Stigler's group. So we even though we we both you're a real economist and I'm a half-ass economist. Uh, we're, we're, we're coming up different roots of the same tree. Uh, the business of politics is very efficient. It's just most people don't understand it. It's just different than other businesses. It's very efficient. The reason why people listen to uh, the big companies are the ones that pay them. And if, you know, and if, oh, yeah. And I just, I just dug up, actually, hell, I was going through cleaning up my, rearranging my office. I won't say clean up my mess. And I dug up a piece of paper, which I could dig out here, but we only got a couple minutes. Way back, this is this is from two thousand. This is when we first started, Manny, two thousand twelve or thirteen. Some group of people in some state actually hired a real high end lobbyist and ponied up the dough. I don't know if they all put fifty bucks in a kitty or whatever. How many people? They hired some guy to be a, a lobbyist for regular people. We don't have anybody. We we used to have, and I'm not being. I'm, I understand they had a bureaucracy and they had some issues. We used to. Middle class used to somehow match up, maybe not on purpose, but they matched up with the political agenda of labor unions to a large extent. I'm not saying that you know they were one and the same, but to a large extent. Well, now labor unions, other than, than public unions, which are not the same thing, have no status in Washington. The middle class has yeah. no voice. The reason why they keep getting they crapped don't. on is they have no voice, and and, and, they, and they and they refuse to believe that they have to get themselves a voice. Collectively, I'm not saying you know it's something we could do tomorrow, but we have no voice. Those people have a voice, and, and whoever made that statement, um, I'm not saying she's an idiot. She, I'm sure she's not, but the point is she doesn't get it. Yes, they do. If you if you if you pay if you and I paid enough to get in, I'm not. Let's assume these senators aren't even aren't even crooks. If you and I paid enough to be able to have lunch with Dick Durbin. And tell him our side of the story on any one of these issues. I believe it would make a difference to him, but we can't have lunch with him because we didn't pay him the dough. These guys have access, and while they're in the room, they tell their side of the story very articulately, I'm sure, and nobody tells the other side of the story. 
I mean, that whether even if you think it's crooked, that's the way it is. And, and it, it, you know, I, am I wrong or not? Well, my first experience with a uh, politician was when I was the treasurer of the math club at Idaho State University. And I, t- I went in and I, I had a meeting with our senator, our government yeah. senator, and I told him what we were planning on doing, and he goes, you know what, I love what you guys are doing here, and I'm going to fight for it. I go attend that Senate meeting, and our budget comes up, right? And they're going to vote on it. The Senate's going to vote on it. He said nothing. Oh, yeah. He didn't know I was in the audience, and he voted it down with well, nothing. Well, if, if you just had, voted it down, but if you no had, words, nothing, just voted it down. But instead of you just making a point, if you'd had a check, as he's saying, the trading floor, money talks and BS walks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I would have bought him dinner, yeah, or prom- promised to buy him dinner every Thursday night, yep. He would have voted for it, man. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Let's we'll talk next week on that happy note. We'll talk next week. <laughs> SP Futures up 41. SP Futures up 154. I might actually come to New York in one of your classes. I don't know. Utah is too far, but I might be there one of these days. We'll, we'll be seeing everybody tomorrow. Tax and jo- stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.